0: All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is
1: Corey. Hey guys, what's up? This is Derek?
0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's JK Three. All right, so we are joined today in the midst of Jaguars training camp 2018. We did our little preview episodes, and now we have a guy who can bring a little of uh, extra actual expertise, and not just our uh, comments from afar and up in the stands. And that is Mike DiRocco, who covers Jaguars, uh, who covers the Jaguars for ESPN's NFL Nation. Uh, he can be followed on Twitter. He's a great follow. Lots of pictures, lots of insights from camp live at ESPN Dorocco and more importantly a three-time down by the bank guest. Hey Mike, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey guys, how are you all doing? I didn't realize I this this is my third time. That's all?
0: Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We honestly I think you should put it in your Twitter bio. It's that important. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: mike, and get that line about being the shortest person in the press box out of yeah there. i do
0: that i saw that like you know, t- like self-deprecating humor you got on there i mean that's good but yeah i mean yeah. we could we
1: could put that in there instead i figured you'd be taller than uh prosser mike if he gets in the press box
2: no unfortunately i am bringing up the rear in that uh oh, man. there's uh yeah, it's uh, it's it's okay. I've, I've had nearly fifty years to get used to it, so I think I'm gonna be all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I gotcha. All right. Well, to kind of jump into it, um, you know, obviously it's a new new season, uh, high expectations after how everything ended last year, and honestly, all the hype we've been getting this off season. So, what's the atmosphere like uh, amongst the media? And have any of the national media members come down to camp yet?
2: Um, no national yet. Um, although I take that back to, I think NFL network was here last Saturday and I, I know ESPN is sending some people down. I think Booger McFarland's coming down soon to do a piece with Marone and, and they hope Bortles and stuff. So there, I think as camp gets moving and we get closer to the first preseason game, we'll see probably more of those national guys come in. Um, but as far as the atmosphere, it's, it's funny. We were talking about it, I guess today, and it was sort of, it's an uneventful camp so far, which is just exactly what you'd want if you're the Jaguars, because there's no sexy position battles going on. I mean, strong side linebacker, but, you know, that's a position that's going to be on the field 30, 40% of the time at best. Um, there's no quarterback competition. Bortles is clearly the guy. So you don't have that drama, um, you know, we know the team's going to be good. You don't have the whole brand new Coughlin Marone dynamic. How is that going to work? Thing to deal with. So, um, you know, it's it's pretty uneventful. And for if you're the Jaguars, you got to be ecstatic like that. Hey, there's no drama. There's no um, nothing we need to figure out. I mean, they need to figure stuff out, obviously, but they're not implementing a new offense not implementing a new defense, not, you know, guys know what the camp's going to be like in terms of physicality and the mental grind. So they're not complaining about that yet. So it's, it's really kind of smooth sailing, which must be what it's like for like good teams to have camps like this all the time. I would know, obviously Uh, none of us would, Um, (laughs) but you know, it seems like it's a pretty good deal for the Jags at this point. Obviously they're trying to get stuff done, but, you know, if you can avoid drama in training camp, uh, you're doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, well, Mike, one kind of side note, and I, I guess he uh, he arrived today uh, Was Jalen Ramsey. Was there any kind of controversy around that really at, at all? Or was that more of like a fan thing where people were worried about his kind of late arrival? Yeah, I think it was
2: a fan thing, to be honest with you. And, and some of us in the media were like, geez, I would have expected him to be here. But um, he said today that he had always planned on a week spending the first week after his child was born, and he kept Doug Marone and teammates abreast of that. So um, he was pretty much reporting on the schedule that he kind of uh, got to the, you know, that he had to told the Jaguars about. So it really wasn't anything major. I mean, it is the birth of your first kid, and that is real special. Obviously, for those of us who have kids, we remember what it was like. And let's be honest, he had the luxury of being able to, to spend a week away. Um, so, you know, good for him that he was able to do it. And, you know, the other part of that too is, is look, is there any doubt that Rams is going to show up in shape and ready to go? Zero doubt. I mean, we knew he would be ready to go as soon as he got here. So, um, you know, not that not an issue. Nothing. Didn't hear any players grumbling about it or anything like that. So I think it's a to the
1: fans. Hey, we all for majority of us get a week or two of paternity leave when your kid's born. So, hey, deal with it. Move on. It's pretty normal. <laughs> um, so getting getting into Bortles, man, he's been saying and doing all the right things on the field and his leadership and poise with uh, his teammates at the playbook. You know, seems like he's already synced up well through five practices with uh, Safarian Jenkins and Moncrief. Has anything stuck out through the first week of camp? Anything, you know, in particular that you, you, you've been looking for?
2: Well, you know, this was Bortles' best offseason of his career in OTAs and mini camps. He said he just the most comfortable and confident he's been. He's in an offensive system he likes. He really likes Nathaniel Hackett, and and Hackett is a guy that's tailored this offense to his strengths. You know, and the fact that he had the wrist surgery and he no longer has to deal with the ligament issue in his wrist. And, you know, I asked him about that, and he said, look, you just kind of get used to the fact that you're going to have pain pretty much constant in your wrist. So it's really nice not to have that. You know, so going into into training camp, you're thinking, wow, you know, that was – a great way to kind of describe, you know, the spring, the OTAs and the mini camp, will he carry that over into camp? And he certainly has. And Doug Marona said it numerous times. I've asked him a couple of times about portals and is he's like, look, he's, he's gotten off to a better start than he, than last year, for sure. Um, we remember that first padded practice last year was the five interception practice. And, um, you know, that was a, a disaster. We all know what happened after that, but he's been, consistent, solid, um, and has made some really, really good throws, especially some stuff down the field. He's really become a pretty darn good deep ball thrower. So I think if you're the Jags, you have to absolutely be thrilled with what you've seen out of him, especially when you factor, okay, Ramsey wasn't there, but you're still going against a pretty darn good defense and dealing with Boyer and, and the rest of that secondary. And Bortles, I thought, has really looked pretty good through the first five practices. So, you know, that's what I wanted to see. And I think that's what he needed to show so that there would not be any doubt left if any existed, and he's done that.
1: You know, the one thing that's exciting, Mike, is that what I take in as a fan is we probably even haven't really seen or scratched the surface of what Hackett can really come up in the playbook. So I think that's going to be interesting coming to the start of the season is there's going to be probably new plays that no one's ever seen. So the whole well we got Bordos on tape now that he's progressing, hopefully Hackett comes up with some better, you know, not better, but more things and more options for him to do.
2: Yeah, and, and here's the thing, too, that Blake was talking about. There were times when he'd be in the huddle last year, and he would call a play, and he could see in the eyes of, like, you Cole and Dee Dee, um and some other younger receivers that uh, I don't have any idea what the heck I'm supposed to do on this play. And that's a scary feeling as a quarterback <laughs> when you're calling a play, and, and the guys that you're going to depending on to catch your passes aren't really sure what the hell they're doing. And, uh, You know, I think that's an issue that we probably didn't give as much attention to, Um, you know, especially when you think about the end of the first half of the AFC title game and people thought, well, they didn't trust Bortles enough to get it done. Well, no, there was a minute and whatever left, and they didn't trust those young receivers to be where they were supposed to be. So I think now that those guys are in their system the second year, Cole and Westbrook and Jadon Mickens, there's more, le- there's more of a level of trust there with those guys. So I do think that will allow them to open up the offense a little bit more as well. Not just because Bortles has got to eat another year, but those guys now at least have an idea about what they were doing. Uh, I just can't imagine what that would be like. You know, you're in the AFC Championship game and you're calling a play and you get the blank look from your teammates and you're going, oh my God, this is just going to be horrible. So you shouldn't have to deal with that at all.
3: This year. Hey, uh, thanks for joining again. Uh, just really quick on the three rookies that we have: uh, Taven Bryant, DJ Chark, and Ronnie Harrison. Some of the ones that have already come to camp, ready to ride, ready to show uh, that they've you know have the poise and making some uh, really good plays. Out of those three, uh, which one do you think has the best chance of cracking the starting lineup, if any?
2: Uh, I don't. I just, I don't see any of those guys having to start unless we're dealing with uh, a rash of injuries. Um, but I think the guy that might be closest, if none of that would have happened, might be Ronnie Harrison. I thought he's gotten off to a pretty good start. Um, and, you know, Barry Church is getting a little older and he's clearly, you know, not a guy that they're thinking about for the beyond, you know, maybe next year. Um, And Harrison has been pretty impressive so far. And and if he's a guy that can go ahead and and pick up the defense, um, you know, maybe we could see him as a a spot starter here and there if they decide they're going to start three safeties one day. Or, you know, Barry Church or Gibson is nicked up a little bit. Maybe they can slide him in there. But I really don't see any of those guys starting uh, right away. And that's – honestly, that's a sign – that's a good sign. You know, when's the last time the Jags were able to – to 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 make three draft picks, their top three draft picks, and nobody was counting on them to start right away. I mean, normally this franchise, especially over the last 10 years, you're drafting the first or second round, you're pretty much guaranteed to be your starter. Um, but that, that's how much better this roster is now, that they don't need their top three draft picks to start. And, and that's a good sign. Now, they're all envisioning those guys as starters in 2019, 2020, so this is a really good year for them to go ahead and sit back, learn, figure out what's going on, get their feet wet a little bit, and then take over as starters next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like the team is just really poised to just have a incredible future going forward, picking up these guys that can just really kind of sit back and develop without any pressure. I mean, Not that they don't have any pressure at all, but Taven Bryan, think about the difference in his development from – how he's going to play this season is sort of like a, uh, a backup watching from like these great veterans versus having to have the pressure of starting right away. I mean, that has to have a huge effect on him.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, especially with one of those veterans is Calais Campbell and you guys, if, if you've been out there, you, you know, and you watch those drills and stuff, you see Kaven go through a rapid rapid drill and then and immediately after there's Calais talking to him and, you know, giving him a tip, showing him what he did wrong, encouraging him, you know, giving him, you know, um, you know, just a little bit more insight. So, I mean, I think that's invaluable as well. And that's something, there is something to be said for baptism by fire for sure. But being able to learn, especially when you've got a willing teacher like Calais Campbell, that that is unbelievable for his future. And, and you just have to sit there and think, you know, he gets a few reps here and there this year. Um, as the season goes on, he probably gets a little bit more too, because you want to try and and, and you know preserve Calais's reps. At, at his age, he's going to be thirty two in September, and you've worked this guy in slowly, and then think about how much fresher he'll be at the end of the year, how much fresher Calais will be at the end of the year. It, it's a good mix, and it's something that you know will be invaluable for for Taven as he goes forward.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of a better-off roster overall, the offensive line improved a lot on paper, especially with the addition of Andrew Norwell, uh, such a huge signing in the offseason. Have you had any conversations with Norwell on adjusting to a new atmosphere and scheme and and maybe his new teammates?
2: Brief, because he is not the most talkative guy in the world. Uh, (laughs) Andrew Norwell is not going to carry on a long conversation uh, with us anyway in the media, but he's a nice guy. And, um, you know, he's been talking about how eager he was to finally get going and get the pads on, you know, and those offensive linemen, they, they, are not real thrilled about, uh, you know, the OTAs and the minicamp because they're working, they really can't get going until they get the pads on and they can start hitting. Um, so, I mean, he's been excited about it and, and seems to have simulated in pretty well. Um, you know, I've seen him and Linder, um, having some conversations after drills and 11 on 11 and. You know, just trying to get on the same page there, and, and everything I've heard, the results have been positive uh, on him, and he's been, you know, everything that they thought he would be, you know. And now with the pads on, you're starting to see the strength, the power, um, his his agility, which is probably something that people don't talk enough about. He's really, really athletic for as big as he is. So he was the guy they had to sign. I think that should have. I thought that should have been their number one target in free agency, and they landed him. So you know, throw them in on that left side, and all of a sudden, they should be able to run the ball even better than they did last year.
1: So, with the left side being uh, sewn up, it looks like, Mike, that right side, uh, you know, you still have Can. you still got Parnell, obviously, they're the, they're the vets, they're the, the guys that have been there, but, you know, Will Richardson, obviously, being a rookie, he's come on early, maybe not for the start of the season, but uh, do you see him uh, being any of any impact this year or is this just going to be that he's going to sit back and, you know, watch from afar?
2: No, I, I, you know, here's the thing. Jeremy Parnell has had a really good start to camp. He looks healthy. He's moving better than he did, obviously, at the end of last season. Um, and uh, he, he had a drill today where he just absolutely pancaked and buried Um Calais Campbell just drove him in the dirt. It was impressive. So that shows me that he feels great. He's in good shape. So at the beginning of camp, I thought that might be a place where we could see a guy um, take over a rookie take over as a starter. But, you know, Parnell's had such a good start to camp that if he continues that, I I don't see Richardson being a guy who starts any games, unless there's some injuries to Parnell. But I'll say this too. I I don't want to let the offensive line talk go away without mentioning how good AJ Cann has been the start of camp. I mean, I know he was a guy that everybody was wondering, can he, can he be the starter? Is it it a guy? Will they move Richardson to guard and have him play inside? Uh, You know, Josh Walker got some reps at guard in in OTAs and minicamp. You know, will he win the job? And AJ Cann has just been fantastic and much stronger um, and has really you know, he's not only held his own, he's dominated in some of those one-on-ones. So that's a really good sign. I know everybody was concerned about that position, but, you know, if Can continues to play the way he has, then then that position won't be a weakness anymore.
3: So we know that the defense is made up uh, with, like, six Pro Bowlers uh, from last year. Where can you, if there is a place for improvement, you know, where do you see the improvement on the defensive side of the ball?
2: Well, there's been several guys in, in the room, Kelvin, in the media room, Kelvin, Deshaun um, Gibson, um, and Calais Campbell, and, and they talked about we have to be able to finish games. Uh, and Campbell's thing was like there were four games last year where we had the ability uh, or we were in position to either make a play or make a third down stop um, you know, that, that would have helped us win the game, and they weren't able to get it done. And that is something that bothered them. So their, their mission this year is to win games, is to make the plays at the ends of games that they have to make to win games, you know, because you're not going to win games 45-7 every week in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. So you're going to be in some tight games, and they need to, work to be consistent with that. And the other thing is, too, is that at, towards, the I would say, the last third of last year, they were susceptible to some big plays, uh, especially in the pass game. And, and now that was partly due... And they admitted this, that they got a little lax, you know, up with the big lead. Um, so that's something that has to be better. Their focus needs to be a little bit better when they they get those big leads, if they're in that position, to really kind of bear down even more. So, you know, it, it's it's nitpicking, to be honest with you, because they finished second in the NFL in scoring. They finished second in the NFL in total yards. You know, they led the NFL in pass defense. I think they were either first or second in sacks. So it's not like this is a a terrible defense. But, you know, there's always going to be room for improvement. And they feel like if they can do those things, um, then that's going to make them an even better unit and and should have them back in the AFC title game playing for a trip to the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on, you know, having that killer instinct because it seems like sometimes during the year, uh, you know, they get up to a very large lead and then we'd have a couple of, you know, uh, pass plays and a a couple of garbage time, you know, uh, touchdowns that came through. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. They definitely do need to get that killer instinct. One last question for you really quick, though, uh, about the defense. Does uh, Ngakwe get more sacks than Calais this season? What do you think?
2: Uh... Yeah, I would take I would take Unique Ngakwe in that, but I mean it, it Calais had never had double digit sacks until last season in his career and then 14 and a half. So that was a monster year. So to kind of expect him to be uh a guy that can go ahead and get 10 or 11 or 12 again, that might be asking too much. Not that, you know, he's going to struggle, but I do think, you know, Unique had what 12 sacks last year, 8 as a rookie. Um uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to assume since you guys are Jags fans, you read the Jags ESPN coverage relentlessly. And uh, we had a thing <laughs> in the division, a round table roundtable, uh, where it was, you know, name the rising star in the division, and the Texans writer, the Colts rider, and the Titans writer all listed Deshaun Watson. And I'm like, great. I went with Unique Ngakwe because I think this kid's on the verge of being one of the league's next that great pass rushers. Um, Watson played seven games, so I'm not ready to crown him a Hall of Famer yet, like everybody else seems to be. I want to see it a little bit more, and I want to see how he handles things with defenses having some film on him. But I think Ngakwe can just be fantastic. I mean, that this kid has the attitude you want in, the, in a in a in a in a football player. He's never satisfied with what he did. He's always hungry for more. He plays with a massive chip on his shoulder third round pick and, and he believes he should have been the best the first pass rusher taken um the only the only guy who has more sacks out of that draft class is Joey Boza um so that just shows you how well this kid has played so I think he's headed for a massive year and as a result he's headed for a massive contract
1: you know another thing that's funny too Mike is he isn't he the smallest of all of them for the, of the other seven eight rotation he's the smallest out of them all right
2: uh, yeah, well, it's not like he's 180, but yes, he is. <laughs> <And> <laughs> guy, yeah, I mean, and Dante, well, he may be a little bit bigger than Dante Fowler now, only because Fowler hasn't been able to work out upper body because of that shoulder injury, but yeah, I mean, he is not the biggest guy, but he's quick and he's relentless and he's tough and he's stronger than probably people give him credit for. And look, he's 10 of his 20 sacks or I'm sorry. Yeah. 10 of his 20 sacks have been strip sacks which is unheard of that he, his ability to get the ball out, it, it, you know, getting to the quarterback and making the sack is fantastic. There. I mean, that's hard enough to do, but you're knocking the ball out and getting the ball out. And you're, you're giving your team a chance to score or, or recover, you know, create the turnover. That's just phenomenal that he's able to do it. And, you know, that's a, a skill that, that, you know, that it, it's not just luck. You know, four or five would be luck, but ten—that's just ridiculous. He has been fantastic, and I think he is, like I said, going to be—you know—the the the next great pass rusher, one of the next great pass rushers in this league. And the Jags are going to be sitting there going, "Well, we got this guy in the third round. How smart are we?"
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, because I, I went to the uh, the camp uh, the other night for the season ticket holders, the one thing the fans love about him is, I, I, you probably noticed this, obviously, because you're right there on the field, but he's, uh, you know, pumping up the crowd, even in between plays, I mean, he's just the, the guy that's just super inspirational, I mean, to be honest, for work, like, forget Zig Ziglar, I mean, just, like, show his tweets every single day, he's about the most motivational guy you'll find, to be honest with you, so... Um and I will say as a side yeah, note
3: he, he loves that
0: yeah no and it's great I mean it's just super uh, fun for the fans um and for everybody J- Derek JK three as a side note my daughter has chosen her first jersey uh she made that choice that night and it is unique in Gakway <laughs>
3: hey. hey all right
0: going with the teal so
2: not bad not bad yeah yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean he he I like talking to him um he's an interesting guy. Um, and you know, it's, it's just amazing. You know, he's, this is going into his third year and, and uh, you know, I thought, well, maybe that chip on his shoulder will, will, you know, will fade a little bit. You know, he's had some success. He knows how hard you have to work and what it takes to get that done. So maybe he's, you know, he he'll focus on that and, and the chip part of it will go away. And that's not been the case. He still feels, you know, slighted. And, you know, if you're the Jags, you got to feel ecstatic that that's that's the guy you got, and he's never satisfied with anything he does. And you know, you can you don't have to motivate that guy. That guy's going to be a guy that will be self motivated from the time you know the first time he steps on the field to the time he retires.
0: Well, we'll kind of finish here with probably. The best time to make this sort of prediction, of course. The most well-informed decision. Uh, an early season win-loss prediction. Go.
2: Well, I don't know if you want to put any stock in what I say. Because last year, before the season started, I thought they'd go 4-12. and 12, um, <laughs> So what the hell do I know? Um, although I always challenge people that said that they were going to be pretty good. Um, because it's like, look, we all saw that preseason. It was a mess. They couldn't run the ball. Blake looked awful. The quarterback situation was a mess. Um, There was no reason to look at that team and think they were going to go 10 and 6 and make the AFC title game. But anyway, um, I'm going to stick with what I had when the schedule first came out, and I picked them to go 11 and 5. And I I think that that is um, a legitimate record for this team. It wouldn't surprise me if they won 12 or 13 um, it wouldn't surprise me if they went 9-7 and seven as well, because it is a tougher division they're playing in. They've got a tough schedule with the Patriots and the Eagles and the Steelers um, and the Titans, who seem to have their number. But I just think that they're going to be so much better, so much more consistent running the football. And this defense is a nightmare for opposing offenses, and Jalen Ramsey's going to be even better. Um, so I think 11-5 and five is pretty it's pretty on uh, spot on for for where i think they're going to end up
0: all right. Well, Mike, uh, Mike covers the Jaguars for NFL Nation on ESPN. Awesome, awesome guy. Probably the friendliest, nicest guy in all of the media here for sure. Um, and we oh, with,
2: Without a doubt, without a doubt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not humble, but that's okay. Um, and uh, we'd like to see if we can go ahead and get that fourth year commitment from you, verbal commitment for next uh, offseason. Does that sound okay or...
2: Absolutely.
0: Count me in. All right. Great. So, right. <laughs> Great. So we'll uh, play this back for you, uh, coming up, uh, next offseason and your, and your DMs on Twitter. So just a heads up. Okay. So, uh, we appreciate it. Mike again, follow Mike on Twitter at ESPN Dorocco. We'll obviously put him in the podcast description. I mean, just a great follow for training camp coverage and just the Jaguars in general and, uh, has a lot of interaction with the fans too, which is, is super awesome. So Mike, thanks again for joining the podcast. We appreciate it. Hey, anytime, guys. I really had a good time. Thanks for asking me. Thanks so much. Talk to you guys next time. This is the story of The One. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click
2: com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.